I want you to go with me to John chapter 8 and verse 39 this morning. This morning as we come to verse 39, the conversation continues between Jesus and the Jewish authorities as you've been with us. We've been studying along here in, in these early chapters of John's Gospel, and we've been seeing this growing conversation, this escalation taking place. One thing you may have noticed as we've been studying along here in John's Gospel is that the that Jesus is becoming more direct, more firm. You may even hear some things that are negative and and more in the nature of warning than in the nature of encouragement in what he's been saying in these in these last few verses and especially the last couple of chapters to these religious men who are seeking to kill him. If you hear that, if you hear more warning and more more negative than positive, you you'd be hearing right in in chapter eight because as these men become more firm in their rejection rejection of Jesus as God in human flesh, as they reject him and who he is, he becomes more firm in his warnings to them. And Jesus is firm in his teaching and for is for their own good, as he firmly tells them where they are and where they need to be in opposition to where they are. It was for their eternal good that he tell them these things and and he taught them and instructed them and challenged them and corrected them in many ways. It was, it was for their own good as he did that because their eternal destiny is at stake. In fact, ours is too. And so we come to the Word, and we come to the Word every, every Sunday because our eternal destiny is at stake as to whether we believe God's truth and obey God's truth. So, so whenever we come to God's Word, we ought to come to it with the utmost respect with the utmost humility that this is God's Word. This is His truth for us today. We should always open God's Word with the right attitude, with a heart of humility, with a heart of willingness to walk in obedience to God's Word wherever wherever it takes us, however it convicts us. And sometimes it will take us places we, we wouldn't go unless God's Word took us there and you know, we convict us of things we wouldn't be convicted of if God's Word didn't convict us of them. May it be true of us today and always as we come to God's Word that we willingly go where it leads us. May that be true of us today and always. This is God's Word and we dare not take it lightly. And what would be even worse is if we were to hear God's words and reject them. You realize how serious this would be if we were to come together and say, yes, um, I hear that, but I reject that. That's just what's happening here in the text before us. That's just what we see happening here. I want you to go with me to verse 39 in John 8 and follow along as I read through verse 47. They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, We are not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. 
Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot hear or bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear me, hear them, is that you are not of God. So right here at the end of our text today, as we see in that last portion of verse, uh, right, right at the last portion of the passage in verse 47, really here is the underscoring of the problem. Jesus says the reason why you do not hear the words of God is that you are not of God. That's the problem. They're pushing back. They're rejecting Jesus. They're rejecting him as God in flesh because they're not of God. Now, let's go back to the beginning for for we need to look through and, and walk through this passage together. Verse 39 is where I want to go back to this morning. But, but the key, the problem is seen right here in this underscoring of the problem in verse 47. But let's go back to verse 39 where it says, They answered him, and they said, Abraham is our father. Now here are these Jewish leaders arguing with Jesus about his statement in verse 38. You remember it from last week when Jesus stated that they do not... Uh, they, they do what they have heard from their father. They don't do what's right. They do what they've heard from their father. Of course, in verse 38, Jesus was pointing to the fact that they were following the one they truly belonged to, and that was who? <laughs> that was the devil. That was Satan. Of course, they're not following along. They're not, they're not following so closely. They were doing the work of the devil and seeking to kill him, yet they protest. So we see it in verse 39, no, Abraham is our father. They deny what Jesus is accusing them of, doing the devil's work. They say, no, we are spiritual children of Abraham. So Jesus challenges their claim of spiritual kinship with Abraham. He's certainly not talking about whether they're descendants of Abraham. Look at verse 39, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me. I mean, here's the evidence that they're not doing what Abraham did. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. I mean, think about how astounding this is, that the, that the one God sends is speaking the truth to them, and they reject it, they rebel against it, and seek to kill him. And then Jesus makes the point about Abraham. This is not what Abraham did. Abraham was obedient. Abraham honored God. Verse 41, you are doing the works your father did. In other words, if you were truly Abraham's children as spiritual descendants of Abraham, then you'd live the way Abraham lived. He obeyed God's commands. He obeyed God's law. God says, Genesis 26, verse 5, Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. If you were Abraham's spiritual children, says Jesus, you, you would be more like Abraham instead of like the devil. 
So Jesus says to them, that was Abraham, but not you. Not you. You have no real heart or desire to please God. So, so you're doing the works of your true father. And it's not Abraham. And it's certainly not God. And I want you to stop just for a moment here. Just think about this. There's a challenge in this for us. There's a challenge here for you may not be out and out looking to Jesus and saying, I reject you as God in human flesh. I hope that's not true of any of you today. That you hear these words and you think of Jesus, you go, no, he can't be God. Reject his truth. But there's a challenge in this, in this challenge to these men, to us. In the challenge that Jesus gives them, there's a challenge to us and, and to you today. If you call yourself a child of God, I, I wonder, you call yourself a child of God and yet not obey God? You call yourself a child of God? You, you call yourself a, a believer in the truths of God's Word and yet not do what God's Word commands and teaches? Think about your example to others around you. Think about, well, think about your children and think about your grandchildren and your coworkers and your neighbors and think about how destructive it is for the, for the cause of Christ and to your testimony to say one thing, to say you agree with God's Word and that you should obey it and to say others also must obey God's Word and then to walk in disobedience to the truth, to not obey God's Word. What a profound mistake. How dangerous to live that way. We destroy the Gospel. We destroy God's truth in the eyes of unbelievers when we say, this is God's truth. And yeah, I I believe that I need to obey it. And I think you need to obey it. And then we don't obey it. So there's a challenge there for us today. I'm greatly challenged by that. I hope that you are too. Jesus is accusing them of saying one thing and doing another. I wonder if God's Word accuses us of the same thing, saying one thing and doing another. Jesus accused them of saying they they were God's children. They were Abraham's spiritual children. Jesus charges them with, with not obeying the truth. His charge is even more serious than that, though. He's accusing them of being the devil's children and not God's children. Obviously, they don't take kindly to that. (laughs) And so they start playing dirty. Look at verse 41, the rest of verse 41. They said to him, we. You need to hear this in a tone in which it was likely given to Jesus. It was likely we. (laughs) We weren't born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. So what's going on here, I think, is what they're doing is they're mocking Jesus. They're mocking Jesus with this statement and implied here is that Jesus' birth was illegitimate. We weren't born of an illegitimate birth. We weren't born of sexual immorality. Unlike you. Now, they didn't say that out and out, but that's the idea that, that's expressed here, as in, we weren't born illegitimate like you were, born of, born of a virgin. Yeah, right. You know, it was the idea that they were throwing back at Jesus here. And for themselves, they, they even claim that they have God as their father. These Jewish religious leaders are, are proudly claiming that they're spiritual descendants of God, and what they're likely standing on here, their support for this idea is found in the Old Testament passages like 
Exodus 4.22, where God calls Israel my firstborn son. And in Jeremiah 31.9, where God calls himself a, a father to Israel. They're, they're thinking back to, hey, we're, we're, you know, Israel, we're God's firstborn son and God's our father. Now, it's true that God was the father of Israel in a national sense, but it's not true in the spiritual sense. Because spiritually, think of this. Spiritually, God is only your father if you come to him in saving faith. Which these individuals were not doing. So as we read in verse 42, note that Jesus doesn't deny the Old Testament scriptures, but he does deny that those scriptures apply to them in the sense they mean. Verse 42 and 43, Jesus said to them, if God were your father, here's the evidence, if, if you were truly God's children, if you were truly spiritual children of God and Abraham, if God were your father, you would love me. You would love me. And what's the implication there? It's not just love God, but obey. You would honor God. You would honor Christ. You would love me. For I came from God, and I'm here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Remember, you see this again and again, and we've pointed to this. Often, Jesus again and again points back to God the Father. I came at God the Father's instruction. He sent me, and I'm here. And if you were really God's children, if God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but He sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is evident, according to Jesus, that God is not their Father. Because by seeking to kill Him, what are they doing? They're proving that they don't know the Father. If they did know the Father, they'd love the Son. They'd honor the Son. They'd obey the Son. If God were their Father, they would know the Son He sent, and they would love the Son. You cannot profess to know God and be His child and hate the One He sent. You'll hear it in the world in which we live today. Sometimes people will say, well, do you have to believe in Jesus to be a Christian? Do you have to, you know, in essence what they're saying is, do you have to love the One God sent in order to love God? Yes. yes, the Bible makes that clear. You cannot profess to know God and be his child and hate the one he sent, the gift he gave you in Jesus Christ. And note why it is they did not understand what Jesus said because there in verse 43, at the beginning of verse 43, Jesus says, why do you not understand what I say? That's really a rhetorical question. It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. Now, why don't they know and love and understand Jesus? He says it's because they cannot bear to hear His Word. And the idea here is that they cannot bear to hear and obey it. They cannot bear to hear and obey God's Word. They're rejecting this truth. But it's not as if Jesus can't be understood for lack of good communication. It's not like Jesus was a poor communicator. It's just too bad they couldn't understand Jesus. That's not the idea here. It is that they cannot understand and obey for lack of spiritual understanding. Their hearts are spiritually darkened. They are spiritually lacking. It's what we've seen before here in chapter 8. Remember back in verse 8 when Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me 
You remember when we looked at that, we said, whoever wholeheartedly believes in and obeys me, that's what Jesus means when he says, follow me. Whoever follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. They didn't have the light of life. They were still trapped in darkness. And remember, when we heard in verse 34, Jesus warned them that those who fail to repent and believe remain slaves to sin. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who remains in their sin is a slave to sin. So it's their attitudes and their actions that show just whose they are. They do not believe. They are slaves to sin. They are trapped in spiritual darkness because of whose they are. That's just where Jesus is pointing in verse 44. Look at verse 44. You are of your father the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. But in contrast to Jesus and his obedience to the father, you think about where they were. Jesus wholeheartedly obeyed and submitted to the father's will. Where were they? They were, they were worlds apart. They were following the desires of their father, the devil. And Jesus says, continuing in verse 44, he was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Jesus is turning up the heat. Yes? Satan is, as Jesus said, a murderer from the beginning. Remember, Jesus is saying, you're doing what your father, the devil, wants you to do. And here's what he's like. In other words, here's what you're like. Jesus is saying, of course, that Satan was a murderer from the beginning and is a murderer from the beginning. Of course, think of the fall of man when Satan tempted Adam and Eve, right? It goes back to the garden. Their fall, their sin, brought about not only their own spiritual death, but also the spiritual death of the entire human race. Romans 5.12 tells us that sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Satan is a murderer, has been from the beginning. Satan is also a liar, has been from the beginning. There is no truth in Satan. Whatever lies he speaks come from his own nature, being the father of lies. He deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, and he's still deceiving people today. 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that Satan has, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan blinding the minds and eyes and hearts of unbelievers. So Satan is a murderer, and he is a liar, and Jesus says to these religious authorities, your problem is that you are just like him. Because, in fact, you are his spiritual children. You think that was a shocking thing for Jesus to tell them? I'm thinking that not only shocking, but it made them turn you know, their head right up past their ears. They started turning red and maybe started shaking just a little bit. It had to be a shocking thing to hear. Jesus isn't finished, though, because they follow the devil's ways. They, too, cannot, will not, do not believe. 
Jesus says in verse 45, but because I tell the truth. Now that's an interesting statement. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Interesting. Here's the problem, as D.A. Carson puts it, the children of God will so love the truth that they will believe in Jesus. The children of the devil will be so characterized by lies that they will not be able to accept the truth precisely because it is the truth. Now here's something to think about for us this morning. If because of sin's darkness, sinners are characterized by sin and cannot believe the truth, how does anyone believe? How can anyone come to faith in Christ? Because sin's darkness traps us in sin. How can anyone come to faith in Jesus Christ? D.A. Carson answers, speaking of our passage here in verse 45, he says, If even the genuine disciples were once members of the fallen and rebellious world until chosen out of this world by Jesus, how did they come to believe the truth at a time in their lives when the truth itself would have evoked unbelief? The passage, verse 45, 45, the passage does not say. The answer has, in fact, been provided in John 6 and will be repeated in John 8 and verse 47. We'll see it in a moment. What was necessary, he says, was that the Father draw them. We're going to see this. We're going to go back to chapter 6 in just a minute. It was necessary that the Father draw them and that they be given to the Son and that they be taught by God and chosen by Jesus the need for the strong divine initiative emphasized in John 6 is powerfully explained in John 8. From an evangelistic point of view, this combination of themes strips away any ground of boasting or arrogance from those who do believe, while it challenges and threatens unbelievers at the very core of their being, insistently demanding that they reconsider the direction and entire array of values that have stamped their life to this point. You get that? As followers of Christ, as those who have believed in Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, we have no, we have no ground to stand on to be proud of our accomplishments in Jesus Christ. It's all because of Christ and His work through God the Father drawing us to Himself. It's also a wake-up call to unbelievers. Do you hear these words? Do you hear the preaching and teaching of the gospel? Is someone imploring you to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus Christ? Then do it! And right, D.A. Carson is, and we've seen this, how does anyone come to saving faith in Christ if they're trapped in unbelief by sin's darkness? As as D.A. Carson points out, we're going to see it in verse 47. But first, Jesus challenges their unbelief in verse 46. Look at 46. Which one of you convicts me of sin? Which one of you convicts me of sin? The idea is, you can't. You can't. You can't convict me of sin. You can't even accuse me. You can accuse me of sin, but you can't follow through on that. You can't convict me of sin because I'm sinless. I have not sinned. And so he says, if I tell the truth, why do you why do you not believe me? None of you can prove me guilty of any sin, says Jesus. And they couldn't because he had not sinned. And since I have not sinned, I have to be telling you the truth. 
So why don't you believe? It was a rhetorical question there. He gives them the answer. Here's why they couldn't believe. Verse 47, where whoever is of God, whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. Sobering words. Very serious words from Jesus. Only the one who is God's, only the one whom God has chosen and called can hear God's words. This too is the answer to the question asked earlier, how does anyone come to Christ in faith if they're, if they're trapped by sin's darkness and unbelief? How does anyone come to Christ? Jesus says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. What does it mean to be of God? What does it mean to hear the words of God? Well, Jesus is talking about those whom the Father draws I said we're going to go back to John 6 for a moment. Think about these passages we noted when we studied back in John 6, verse 44. We saw this in John 6, 44. Jesus is talking about those whom the Father draws when he says, whoever is of God hears the words of God. John 6, 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And he's talking about those who are given to the Son, John 6, 37, back a a few more verses from verse 44. There all that the Father gives me will come to me. And he's talking about those who will be taught by God. Again, in verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. And that's the pattern of faith for every believer. We may look back and think, you know, I'm not sure that's how, you know, that's how, that's how it began in you. You may not realize that God was calling you as you began to hear the gospel and your heart began to melt and the hardness of heart was gone and you began to realize you needed to repent and trust in Jesus. But that's the pattern of faith for every believer. We do not come to Christ in faith without the Father beginning the work in us, without the Father giving us to the Son, without the Father revealing the truth to us. You see why, as I read from Carson earlier, why he says it wipes away, it destroys any any ground of pride that we might have as, as believers to say, look what I did in coming to Christ. Oh no, look what he did in bringing me to himself. Without His grace, without His mercy, I'd be lost and trapped in the darkness of sin. And all those whom God does this work, think of this. The hope and the promise of Philippians 1.6 is theirs when it says that He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus will not fail in His mission to bring to completion what He started in you as God's child. And the reason this is true is because it's just as Jesus says in verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. And the implication here, we talked about this earlier, we noted it, the implication here is that the true child of God will obey. 
who were these men obeying whom God, whom Jesus confronted and saying, you say God is your father? Who are they obeying? They were obeying their father, the devil. The implication here in verse 47, whoever is of God hears the words of God. The implication is, is that the true child of God will show obedience. There'll be evidence that you're God's child because not only will you, you know God is, as your father, but you'll, you'll desire to be pleasing to him in the way that you live. You'll desire to know his word and, and to be known by his word so that it deeply changes you in your thought patterns, in your conduct, in your speech. Certainly none of us will be perfectly obedient this side of heaven because we will not be completely like Christ this side of heaven. But as we, as we struggle to be conformed to the image of Christ, as we struggle to be conformed by the Word, and we, and we may just struggle with, there may be some sins we struggle with more than others, and we may struggle with them at great length this side of heaven. But the truth is that those who are God's Hear God's words and do not reject them. And God's words take, take the shape of life in them, light in them, and shape them into a godly and Christ-like character and conduct. Those who are God's hear God's words and they seek to live by and obey God's words. They do not come and say, yeah, that, that sounds good, that sounds wise, but I'm going a different route. I'm rejecting that. See, God's children obey God's words. Those who are God's will hunger for God's truth. Oh, that our appetite for and obedience to the truth show just whose we really are for God's glory. Let's pray. Father in heaven, our precious heavenly Father, we've gathered here in your midst today. And once again, we've opened the word And I pray, God, that we would never take for granted this great privilege to open the Bible and say, God has spoken, and this is His Word. We must obey it. God, I pray, help us to be changed and transformed and conformed to the likeness of Christ through the power of Your Spirit and Word and its work in us. But God, I pray you would help us, help us to to yield, help us to submit, help us to, to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God as seen in your word, Lord. God, I pray that in this world, that as we leave this place today, as we go out into the week ahead, that we might show whose we really are by our obedience in the face of difficulty, in the face of hardship, in the face of ridicule, 
in the face of opposition. God, I pray, help us to stand in your truth and obey your truth for God's glory, for our good. God, help us to be truly showing whose we are by our obedience and submission to your truth, that we might live your truth in this world where we have friends and acquaintances and co-workers and family members who desperately need to know the truth and see that the truth is at work in us. The power of God, the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus Christ alive today. God, I pray that you would help us as your church to honor and glorify you by our obedience. Lord, help us to not reject your truth by, by our disobedience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.